Hello, this episode is sponsored by italki, which is a great way for you to develop your English in general by taking lessons and engaging in conversations through Skype. It's really convenient. And italki are offering all of you, my listeners, uh, the chance to get a voucher worth 100 credits as a discount against uh, lessons that you might buy in the future. Uh, if you're interested in uh, finding out more and to get that offer, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website you're listening to luke's english podcast for more information visit teacherluke.co.uk hello there welcome back to the podcast Uh, this is episode 420 episode 420 And in episode 420, I've chosen to talk about my favourite herb, which, like millions of other British people and countless others around the world, I consume on a daily basis. It calms my nerves, it raises my morale, and it helps me to socialise. Queen Victoria famously used it, and the Beatles took it regularly during the recording of their most inspired music and even sang about it in a few of their songs. I'm talking, of course, about tea. As everyone knows, tea is very popular with people all over the UK, from all regions, backgrounds and social classes, whether you're the Queen herself or you're the guy who cleans the road outside her massive house, everyone loves a brew. The British Empire was built on tea, wasn't it? Goodness knows I've made enough references to it in my episodes. I'm even drinking a cup of it right now. Mmm. Nice cup of tea. That's just what the doctor ordered, that is. So, let's do a whole episode about tea. Yes, okay then. So, that's what we're going to do. All right, tea. Mm, Let me have some more. (sighs) Nice cup of tea. Nice cup of tea, darling. Fancy a nice cup of tea, do you? All right, put the kettle on. Let's have a brew. Lovely. Right, so why am I doing this episode all about tea? Well... I just want to celebrate tea, of course, because I love tea. As I've just said, it's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, Is it? I don't know. What do you think? You might not be a tea drinker, uh, but um, it's a bit of a stereotype, isn't it, that the Brits like a cup of tea or two or three? Um, It's a bit of a stereotype. It also happens to be true because it is one of our most popular drinks. Now, we love coffee as well and other hot drinks like uh, hot chocolate and things like that, but... Certainly for me, there's nothing like a nice cup of tea at any time of the day. Um, So I think it's worth talking about. Um, And uh, in this episode, I want to tell you everything that I think you need to know about this subject, including these things. So these are the things that um, I'm planning to cover in this tea-themed episode. Um, So I'm going to talk about stereotypes about tea drinking in the UK. I'm going to try and clear a few things up because, in my experience, people have a certain idea of what tea drinking in Britain means or what it looks like or what the the sort of the typical customs are uh, around tea drinking. So I'm going to sort of break a few of those stereotypes um, and tell you exactly how most people actually normally drink tea. Um, I'm going to talk about different ways to make and drink tea. So basically that refers to kind of afternoon tea or the tradition of afternoon tea versus just having a cup of tea at home, you know? Um, 
I'm also going to tell you my personal way to make a nice cup of tea. So the specific way that I like to do it, um, so that you know how you know how it should be done, basically. Um, and I'll kind of give you some background to the history of tea in the UK, so that we can understand why Britain has this relationship with the uh, with this hot drink. Um, and a few facts about tea, including its health benefits and the different types. Um, also, I'm going to read some some parts of an essay written by George Orwell. Uh, George Orwell is uh, obviously the famous writer who wrote uh, books like 1984. Uh, he wrote an essay about tea, a sort of light-hearted essay, which um, can be considered as a reliable guide to the ins and outs of the potentially controversial subject of how to make a cup of tea properly. Uh, so we'll go into that because that's just like the kind of benchmark uh, guide that that is the guide that people always refer to. So I think it's worth reading some some sections from that because it's not only very well written but also um, just a good uh, set of uh, adv- advice and tips for the right way to make tea. And you'll see that it is quite a complicated process. And uh, if you're not doing it right, then you're not going to enjoy the tea as it should be enjoyed. Um, And then finally, and I hope there'll be time for this, um, I'm going to talk about some of the references to tea in the music of the Beatles, because the Beatles have sung about tea on a number of occasions and talked about it as well quite a lot in their interviews. So let's start with the stereotypes. What are the stereotypes about drinking tea in the UK? Are they true? Um, in my experience, having met you know many people from different countries, people have this idea of what um, what tea drinking looks like. For example, most people seem to think it's this sort of very posh, um, very uptight kind of thing that is only done... Uh, with a family gathering or in very polite society. And it's kind of like, you know, this kind of quiet, uptight situation in some sort of traditional-looking room, uh, maybe in sort of Buckingham Palace or something like that, or in in some kind of manor house like in, uh, in Downton Abbey, and everyone's very sort of prim and proper and uptight, wearing a tweed... Uh, waistcoat and it's all very posh and sort of high class and and um, it's like oh pass the tea darling and you know would you like some sugar uh, more tea vicar you know that sort of thing um, and um, I mean that that sort of tea ritual does happen um, but most of the time people just drink tea uh, very informally um, so okay let's let's look at some of those stereotypes um Obviously, it depends on on who you are, and there are different ways in which people consume tea, and there are different cultures and customs around the drink. But um, here are a few stereotypes that I've noticed over the years. Uh, the first one is is this idea that tea is for the upper classes, and it's a posh affair full of lots of uptight rules about how it should be done, and it's very sort of formal and rigid and uptight. Um, not true. I mean, there is the tradition of sort of afternoon tea or tea ceremonies where, you know, people gather together in quite nicely designed uh, upmarket tea rooms and people will tend to be older and, and well-dressed and, you know, people are very well-behaved and there are lots of manners and customs and etiquette rules around around it and stuff like that. So it does obviously 
take place in polite society and you will have seen those images of the kind of the tea set the very the very nice expensive uh, china tea set um and all the you know all that stuff like the the sound of the the teacup um in the in the saucer and you know it's all kind of very posh uh, that does happen but for the most part um uh, tea is, is you know it's not just consumed by uh, upper class people in that kind of situation tea is drunk by absolutely everyone uh, from all sections of society and it's often a very informal kind of thing where you just sort of drink tea out of a cracked mug and um you know you make the tea in the kitchen just sling the tea bag into the sink and um, it's very informal and relaxed. And sometimes you, when you have friends round, you make the tea and it's all done in a very casual kind of way often. Um, here's another stereotype that drinking tea is this kind of mystical, spiritual experience that takes you on a journey into a colonial dreamland where you have a profound moment of higher understanding while visiting the distant lands full of oriental mystery. You know, that kind of thing, like walking through a tea field, um, and locking eyes with with a uh, some sort of poor Indian woman who picks tea in the tea field and having a sort of special spiritual moment with this with this ordinary woman and oh it's so spiritual I'm on a spiritual journey um, that kind of thing well it's not really about that either because you know tea is it's not very a pre- it's not really a pretentious spiritual journey it's just a nice drink to have on a cold day you know. Um, um, so that's that. And I see that stereotype in advertising. For example, there's an advert uh, on the TV that I see sometimes with uh, the actress Diane Kruger. I think her name's Diane Kruger. Let me see if I can find that for you and I'll give you an idea. But every time I see it, I'm always thinking, oh, God, that's so annoying. What is this pretentious version of tea? And it's got a terrible joke at the end as well. Um, let's see if I can find the advert and play it to you. So you can hear the kind of, uh, here it is. All right. What's your specialty? It's that one. So we, we start with Diane Kruger sitting in some sort of penthouse apartment, probably in, in New York or some other big city. And she's sitting there like having a, having a moment. And uh, she looks at the special tea tea maker, which is basically like Nestle's Nespresso, but for tea. This is how they are trying to advertise their kind of uh, their sort of Nespresso tea maker. So she's sitting there and she makes her cup of tea, and then she starts sipping from it. And then we we transition to footage of of Diane Kruger travelling on a train through some kind of part of the Indian countryside. And she sticks her head out. She sticks her head out of the window and takes a breath of the fragrant air of India. And then she steps off the train and there are sort of women in saris and sort of ordinary Indian people walking by. She's obviously arrived in some village somewhere on the train. She steps off the train and immediately there's like this kind of, um, I don't know how to describe him, this sort of guru, um, this Indian guru sitting there on the floor at the station. I mean, is he just on the station platform? He's he's kind of painted in blue paint and he's got like the long hair and, you know, the full on sort of. He looks like he's been meditating in the mountains for like 10 years. I suppose he's just waiting for a train in this advert. But there he is and and they kind of make eye contact. And it's obviously a very special, deep and spiritual moment for uh, Diane Kruger. 
And this whole thing is, is you know, uh, a, a representation of the wonderful journey that she's going on when she drinks her tea. Next thing you know, she's... She's actually driving a rickshaw through the streets of uh, India now. She's driving the rickshaw, which never happens. I mean, that, that that would never happen in India. I mean, there's always some guy like, rickshaw, rickshaw, that, you know, you get lots of people trying to persuade you to get into the back of their rickshaw, and then they'll drive you around and you pay them at the end. But it's very rare that you actually get your own rickshaw. So I don't know what Diane Kruger has done. Maybe she's kind of dipped deep into her pocket because, you know, we see from the beginning of the advert that she's extremely rich if she lives in this luxury penthouse. I mean, she is Diane Kruger, the Hollywood movie star, after all. Maybe she's just, you know, palmed off $100 on the guy and said, I'll just take, just give me your rickshaw. I want to have my own journey. I want to lead myself through uh, this spiritual journey myself. I don't want to be driven by uh, a guy who, who, who needs the money. No. She's driving the rickshaw. She visits a tea field and she's walking through the tea field while all these people are there working, picking the leaves. She's walking through this tea field, like uh, sort of touching all the leaves as she goes through. And uh, I mean, in reality, I'm sure that in reality, I don't know if these women would appreciate Diane Kruger walking through their workplace like this. But um, that's what's happening. And and one of the uh, one of the women who's picking the tea uh, looks at Diane Kruger and nods at her in approval, like, "Oh yes, you're what a wonderful meeting of cultures this is." In reality, I think she'd probably be like, "Oi, what are you doing on my in my tea field? Can you get out of the way, please? Stop! You're crushing the tea. Don't walk all over the tea." You know. Next thing we see, Diane Kruger sort of. Uh, uh, leaning down and washing her hands in a in a in a mountain stream, um, with bare feet. So she's barefoot, like sort of washing her hands in a mountain stream, while the kind of glittering uh, sunset uh, happens all around her. And then we see the tea pouring into the cup of 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 uh, Nespresso or Nestle special tea. And the drops of water landing in the cup. Oh, it's very magical. And then now we see Diane Kruger sort of exploring the forest and, and coming across some kind of hidden temple in the, in, the, in the forest. And she pushes open the door to discover the wonderful sights on the inside. In reality, there'd be loads of tourists there, probably loads of other backpackers kind of, you know, like shoving through the door. And there'd probably be uh, people trying to hassle her to buy all their jewellery and, and stuff like that. And rickshaw drivers trying to, pers- you know, trying to hassle her. Um, uh, yeah, probably. And you, what's your specialty? And you, what's your specialty? And you, what's your specialty? Spe- and the name of the product is Special Tea. Oh, and you, what's your specialty? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't actually make sense. What's your specialty? So this is her specialty? Like, a specialty is something that you can do that other people can't do, right? It's something that you do well. Like, for example, you know, you're very good at card tricks or you're, you're kind of excellent at making cake. Um, apparently, Diane Kruger's specialty, either her specialty is to be rich, <laughs> to be a rich Hollywood movie star in a nice uh, plush apartment, either that or her specialty is to be able to dream about sort of uh, going to India. She's just very good at kind of fantasizing. 
that's her specialty. Or her specialty is to actually go to these places and discover... I suppose her, what the advert is suggesting is her specialty is that she can discover these hidden places in these faraway lands and have wonderful spiritual experiences and then pay lots of money to come home again. Um, I don't know. Anyway, the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that there is a certain idea that tea is this spiritual experience. And um, that's not how I see it. And that's not how a lot of people in the UK see it either. And uh, when I tell people, oh, I like a cup of tea, I find it annoying that they imagine that I'm this pretentious, oh, you know, I do like the inspiration of a cup of tea and it feels like I'm traveling on a journey. No, it's just a nice cup of tea. You know what I mean? Like, lovely. Mm. Mm. That hits the spot, doesn't it? Lovely, nice cup of tea. So the that's just that stereotype that tea is a spiritual awakening. It's not. It's just a lovely hot drink. Um, here's another stereotype, that tea is only drunk at tea time. That there is this thing called tea time, and that's when we drink tea. Like, everything stops for tea at tea time. Tea time? Oh, it's tea time. Mm, pass the sugar. Um, not true. Uh, although we do, it is quite normal to have a little break at about three or four in the afternoon for a cup of tea. That is quite normal. But to be honest, we drink tea at all hours of the day, all, all hours of the day any time is a good time for a cup of tea. So you can start the day with a cup of tea. You can have a break for tea at about 11 o'clock. You have tea after lunch. You have tea in the afternoon. You have tea in the evening. Sometimes you have tea right before you go to bed. So it's not just tea time at 4pm. So don't tell me about the tea time thing, um, because any time is tea time as far as I'm concerned. Um, another stereotype is that all British people like tea, that every single uh, British human uh, likes tea. Uh, not true. There are plenty of uh, Brits who who don't really like tea. They don't drink it. They prefer coffee instead or something else. Um, so not all of us like tea, of course. I mean, I do. I do, of course. It's, it's bloody lovely, isn't it? Um, and uh, there's another one, which is a, a sort of something that people often say, and that's that tea contains more caffeine than coffee. You know, you know, there's always that conversation where you're like, oh, do you like tea or coffee? Well, I prefer tea, actually, because I don't, I can't drink too much coffee because it's got too much caffeine in it. And then someone always says, oh, well, you know, tea contains more caffeine than coffee, you know? Hmm. Um, that's what people say, isn't it? Well, in fact, it turns out it's not really true. What I've discovered is that tea leaves themselves do contain more caffeine than uh, coffee beans, okay? So kind of unmade tea does contain more caffeine pound per pound, um, pound for pound, uh, than uh, than coffee does. But when, when you make it, so a cup of tea made and a cup of coffee will have different levels. So actually made tea contains less caffeine than made coffee because the process of brewing the tea doesn't, pull out as much of the caffeine as the process of making coffee, where more of the caffeine is transferred into the water. So in fact, tea leaves contain more caffeine than coffee beans, but um, the actual drink tea uh, doesn't contain more caffeine. There's also this thing called theanine, which apparently is another, it's like another chemical, which um, a natural chemical which you get in, in tea, and it's like a stimulant similar to caffeine. And apparently what happens when you drink tea is that the, the caffeine and the theanine combine to create this kind of, 
stimulating yet relaxing uh, feeling. Uh, which is what I like. Because when I drink coffee, if I drink too much coffee, I start to get a bit like kind of jittery and I feel like it's burning a hole in my stomach. And um, I might kind of feel uh, lots of, I might feel very energetic and get lots of ideas. And it's really, um, I kind of get a a coffee rush uh, if I've drunk a couple of cups of coffee. Um, But that lasts for about two hours. And then often a few hours later, I feel rotten. I feel all kind of, sort of stressed out and edgy but I don't get that with tea Um, and so that's one of the reasons I I prefer tea. The most common way to drink tea in the UK is to have black tea uh, which typically is in in the rest of the world they call it English breakfast tea but in the UK if you say can I have you know do you want a cup of tea that means English breakfast tea so we just call it tea uh, English breakfast tea, as far as I know, is like usually a mix of different types of black teas, essentially, mixed together. And we like to brew it up so it's nice and strong. And we add milk to it as well, and sometimes sugar. Um, there's also this myth of lemon. Some people add lemon, but it's not that common, really. Some people also add honey. I like to add some honey to it sometimes. Uh, it's it, it gives it that nice sweet flavour, and I think honey's a little bit healthier, or a little bit less unhealthy than sugar. Um so in France, if you say, can I have some tea, the the next question will be, what type of tea do you want? And then they're like, Darjeeling, Assam, green tea, all these different types of tea. And it's just like, no, I just want a cup of tea. You know, so you have to, it's much more difficult to get tea as I want it here in France compared to back home in the UK. Uh, in the UK, I'll just say, can I have a cup of tea, please? And they say, sure, milk or sugar? And I say, just some milk, please. You know, that's it. Simple. Here in France, I would say, can I have a cup of tea, please? And first of all, it's more expensive. Tea is more expensive here than wine, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But uh, tea is more expensive than wine, first of all. Um, And secondly, if you order tea, they will then give you this list of different types of tea. And you have to, you know, find the English breakfast tea. And then you have to, you know, make sure that they will give you milk. You You have to say, can I have some milk as well, please? And what people for some reason always do is they give you like milk in a little jug, which is nice, a little jug, but the milk is heated up. Like they've heated up the milk, but that's not how we do it in the UK. You don't need to heat up the milk first. That's fine. The other thing that they do here is that they will give you um, uh, like a teacup uh, with a tea bag and uh, a metal teapot, uh, which is full of hot water, but it's not hot enough. The water has to be boiling. The The boiling water at 100 degrees has to hit the, the, the tea itself. If it's less than that, the results aren't going to be as good. Don't ask me why. That's just the way it is with English breakfast tea in the UK, all right? So the tea comes in this little metal teapot. It's not hot enough. And um, you you have to put the tea bag into the, the, the metal teapot in the hot water. And you have to wait ages because it takes a lot longer when the, the water is not hot enough. And the result is that the tea isn't really strong enough. And you add the milk and it's all too sort of uh, weak and just slightly unsatisfying. Yeah. Um, maybe you might think I'm being a bit picky there. Like, oh, you're being a bit picky, aren't you? Um, well, yeah, but you know, I like, I like my tea, how I like my tea, you know? Um, and I think that if you, if you try it, uh, the, the British way, then, um, you'll enjoy it because it's good. Like a good 
really hot, strong cup of tea with some milk in it is refreshing and revitalizing and warming and comforting as well, you know? Um, All right. I suppose like drinking any hot drink, any hot liquid that you drink is going to be quite comforting because, you know, your body likes having the warm, the warm drink inside, you know, it's good. Like drinking a cold drink doesn't make that much sense really because the inside of your body is warm. It's warm inside and if you throw cold liquid into it, it's kind of a bit jarring for your body. And But I think the body prefers to have warm drinks because it sort of matches the temperature inside the body, you know. And I think it's nice as well. It, it feels a bit like a hug on the inside. Mm. All right then, so I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, Luke, this is all very interesting, but um, tell us how to make a cup of tea, would you? Could you just tell us how to do it so that we know how to do it like you do? Because obviously you're the tea master, aren't you? If you you know all about this, you're confident enough to record a podcast episode about the subject, you must have the ultimate recipe for tea uh, at your disposal. Um Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you how I make a cup of tea. I'm not saying it's the ultimate um, way of doing it. It's just the way that I like to do it, okay? And that's the thing, really, that everyone's got their own way of doing it, you know? Everyone has their own different sort of um, method. Um, and, but broadly speaking, I would say that my way of doing it is right. <laughs> no, I mean, broadly speaking, I would say that the way that I do it is is roughly similar to the way that many people in the UK would do it too, I think, all right? I'm sort of generalising a bit, but I reckon it's probably quite similar to to the standard way of making tea. All right then, so I, I would actually make tea in a few different ways depending on the situation. So I'm going to give you three, two or three different situations. Three, okay. Situation number one is I'm making a cup of tea at home for myself, all right? So let's say I'm sitting there working on my laptop and it's like, oh, I'd, I quite fancy a cup of tea. I need a break. So I'll, I'll go into the kitchen and uh, put the kettle on, you know, put the kettle on. That's the expression. Uh, you put the, put the kettle on, meaning you fill it, fill it up with fresh water. I always put new water in the kettle. Not too much because obviously I don't want to waste energy or waste water. It's important not to fill the kettle up too much. So I put enough water in there for a cup. Uh, and it, and I think that fresh water, I think water that hasn't already been boiled is best. But I don't know if there's any sort of uh, any real sort of evidence to suggest that uh, non-boiled water is better. But I usually use fresh water from the tap. Um, stick the kettle on, and then I get a mug. I like to get a big mug if possible because we've got big and small mugs. The small mugs are probably for coffee in our flat. Uh, but I like to try and find one of the big ones and then I get one of my tea bags um, and uh, my preferred uh, brands of tea would be things like PG Tips, all right, PG Tips. And PG Tips are good because, first of all, they make a nice brew, but also they have these pyramid bags, which is kind of the um, the hallmark of the PG Tips tea bag, that they actually, they've created these pyramid bags, so they actually, if you take the bag out and you put it on the table, it looks like a little pyramid. Instead of it being a square bag or a circular bag, it's actually a pyramid. So the idea is there that it kind of allows the tea to, to move around a bit more inside the bag. It gives the bag a bit more room for manoeuvre. 
I mean, it gives the tea a bit more room for manoeuvre inside the bag, which apparently helps to make a better brew. Uh, Anyway, PG Tips um, is a good brand. Also, I like Yorkshire tea. Uh, Yorkshire tea, Yorkshire tea, like tea used to be. If there's one thing she's taught me to do, it was how to make a proper cup of tea. I drink Yorkshire tea nowadays. Yorkshire tea, like tea used to be. That's the advert they used to show on TV. Yorkshire tea, like tea used to be. Um, Which is sort of basically using nostalgia to sell tea. Um... And also Yorkshire tea. I mean, it's not it's not from Yorkshire. It's from India, isn't it? But um, anyway, it's they use the sort of nostalgia and the kind of associations that we have with a traditional image of Yorkshire, the Yorkshire countryside, to sell us tea, and it's kind of you know heartwarming and pleasant. But I just find that Yorkshire tea is a decent cup of tea. It 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 brews well. It makes a strong cup. Um, and so that's why I like Yorkshire tea. In fact, there's like the best kind of Yorkshire tea is Yorkshire gold. Uh, and with Yorkshire gold, they've carefully selected the best parts of the leaves. You know, it's like they've selected the best bits of the leaves. And so the, the quality is supposed to be very good. Um, also, I find that Marks and Spencers do good tea bags and Marks and Spencer's Gold, M&S Gold, is a, is a good uh, a good tea bag. Um, so if you've got a Marks and Spencer's where you live, I don't know if you do, um, then Marks and Spencer's Gold is a decent cup of tea. And also there are fancy brands, like sort of independent little brands that also make really good tea. Um, and they're organic and fair trade and, and stuff like that. And there are brands like Tea Pigs. And you tend to find those in nice little cafes in England. Um, and um, there are various other companies that that make a good cup of tea. Um, I don't like Lipton tea. It seems that wherever you are in the world, you can find Lipton uh, tea. Lipton is the brand, and um, just in my experience, it, you just you just don't get a good cup of tea from Lipton. I don't really know why. Uh, maybe it's the paper that they use for the tea bag. Maybe it's the quality of the tea. I don't know. But in my experience, Lipton tea doesn't produce a very good t- uh, cup. And also Twinings either, which is another very famous brand of tea. Twinings, in my experience, doesn't really make a great cup of tea either. I don't know why. Um, but it's it's very easy to get Twinings, but not always the best. There are others as well. There are fancy brands like Fortnum and Mason. They do tea. There's Chelsea. Uh, is it called Chelsea of London? Chelsea Whitards. That's it. Whitards of Chelsea. Um, these are shops that you'll find in 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 London, and they make good cups of tea as well. But my my preferred ones are PG Tips, Yorkshire Tea, and M and S Gold. Um, so I take my tea bag. And if I'm doing it on my own like this, I'll just do it in the tea bag because you know I only want one cup. Put the tea bag in the uh, in the cup. And by the way, these you have to follow these instructions carefully. All right, if you deviate from from these instructions, then um, then you will fail basically in your mission to make a good cup of tea. Uh, so you must follow my instructions um, to the letter. Okay. Um, I'm kind of joking, but I'm also not uh, as well, because obviously this is extremely important, isn't it? Making a good cup of tea. Oh, yes, it is. So you put your tea bag in into the, the mug, all right? Now, I, I realise that some people at this point will be going, what? You brew your tea in a mug? What are you, a barbarian? 
Um, and, um, well, this is just one of the, th- the three ways that I'm going to talk about, all right? So just calm yourself. Uh, okay, so the, the kettle is boiling at this point. The, the water in the kettle is boiling. It's very important that you pour it directly onto the tea bag. Don't wait. Don't let the water cool down too much. It's got to be freshly boiling water poured directly onto the tea bag. So bring the, t- bring the cup with the bag in it to the kettle and then straight in, bang, uh, fill it up and you pour it right on top of the tea bag. Um, and leave it for a while, like leave it for a few minutes. I don't know, probably about three, three to four minutes without touching it. Now, some people will stir the, the, the tea, they'll squeeze the bag and stuff like that. I prefer to just let the tea do the work because <laughs> um, it will brew naturally if you just leave it for a while. Uh, but if you want the extra strong cup or if you feel like it's not quite strong enough, then you can squeeze the bag with a teaspoon and fish out the tea bag and just get rid of that tea bag. Throw it into the bin or throw it in the sink or something like that or just leave it, you know, deposit it in another cup that you've already used. And if it creates mess, don't worry, just clean it up later. It doesn't matter. Um, um, and then get some milk from the fridge and... Um, I think semi-skimmed milk is probably best. In the UK, generally, you will find three types of milk. There's skimmed, semi-skimmed, and whole milk. Whole, spelt W-H-O-L-E. Whole milk. So skimmed, semi-skimmed, and whole milk. And it refers to the amount of cream that's been skimmed off the top of the milk. Skimmed means that, you know, most of the cream has been taken off. And so the milk is kind of a bit healthier, but it frankly, it's not quite as tasty and rich and nice. Uh, semi-skimmed is basically halfway, you know, like half of the cream has been removed. So this it's still a bit creamy, but, um, you know, like not too unhealthy. And then there's whole milk in which all the cream has been left. And uh, often you'll find there's like a layer of creaminess on the top. So you have to sort of shake the bottle a little bit or mix it up before you pour it in, because otherwise you'll get too much cream uh, in your tea. And you don't want cream in the tea. It's not right. It doesn't taste very good if it's too creamy. You just want like normal milk. So skimmed milk, sorry, semi-skimmed milk, uh, which usually has a green top in in the UK. So semi-skimmed milk. And after you've sort of fished out the tea bag and you've made sure it's strong enough, um, you pour in some of the milk, right? A dash of milk. And you should put the milk in, in my, in my opinion, you put the milk in last um, because that way you can judge how much milk is necessary, you know? I mean, you know, after you've made tea about a million times, you will know um, whether the tea is strong enough before you add the milk and then you just add the right amount of milk. It's just sort of automatic. But anyway, I like to put the milk in afterwards because then you can judge you know, whether it's too much or not, or not enough based on the color of, of the, of the tea. Right. And there's that, obviously there's that wonderful, lovely moment where you see the, the milk pouring into the tea and the milk swirls around inside the tea. And that looks pretty cool, doesn't it? In fact, I, I was listening to that podcast, that science podcast, the infinite monkey cage with Brian Cox. And Brian Cox was saying that apparently the way that milk swirls around inside a teacup 
that motion is as complex as the way that celestial bodies, stars, planets, the way the universe moves and interacts. It is as complicated as that, apparently. So it's pretty cosmic, you know, when you see the milk pour inside the uh, uh, inside the tea and you see it swirling around. It's like, you know, the same complexity as the way the universe swirls around. Yes, it's cosmic. Um, right. And that's it, basically. You might want to sort of mix the, the milk into the tea with the teaspoon a little bit. Mix it in so it's all fully mixed in. And then, um, and then drink it. But you might need to, you know, you might need to wait a little bit because it'll be too hot at the beginning. But you can just stand there. If it's cold, you can stand holding the cup between your hands and it's kind of nice and warming. And then when it's, you know, cooled down a bit, you can start sipping it. Um, you shouldn't really slurp, you know, try not to slurp because that's rude. And some people find it really irritating and really rude. Uh, but if you're on your own, you can slurp as much as you like, can't you? So that's the kind of, that's how I make tea on my own when it's just one cup and I'm in the middle of doing something else and I want to make a cup of tea quickly. The other way would be, for example, if I've got some friends around, let's say Amber and Paul uh, around and I want to make them a cup of tea as well, I will then make a pot of tea. Um, and um, right, here's how you do the, 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 the pot of tea. So you've got a teapot, right? And it's you, it has to be made of like, uh, what's the word for it? China porcelain? Porcelain? China? What's a teapot made of? Ceramic, of course, ceramic. Um, you know, the, the, your standard uh, teapot that you would buy in a, in a sort of supermarket in England, a ceramic teapot that will hold about three cups of tea in it, that kind of thing. You probably put about two, um, two tea bags into the pot, okay? Now, some people say you need to heat up the pot in advance. So you obviously you're boiling your water and all that. Some people would say that you need to make sure the pot is warm because if you if the pot is cold and you make the tea in a cold pot, then it sort of affects the way that the tea brews and it it's not as good. So you should probably warm up the tea pot first. And the most normal way to do that is to pour some hot water into the tea pot and swirl it around inside a little bit so you're warming the, the the pot from the inside and then you pour away the the hot water and then you throw in your two tea bags and when the kettle has boiled you pour the boiling water all over the tea bags in the teapot you fill it up put the top on leave it for a while again you're going to need to leave it for about five minutes or more and you might need to sort of gently rock the teapot a little bit to encourage it to brew some people will put a put a spoon in there and stir it around some people do that or you just rock it gently so you encourage it to 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 brew and then you you know you pour some into one of the cups and you see if it's strong enough um, and you pour out the tea and and then you add the milk afterwards typically you will ask someone how do you have your tea how do you like your tea um, you know do you want milk um, how many sugars that sort of thing you know, to fancy a cup of tea? Yes, please. Milk or sugar? Yeah, uh, milk, no sugar, please. You know, that sort of thing. Um, and um, with teapots, I don't know why. I don't know why it is, but in England, uh, it every single teapot leaks. I don't know why this is. I don't know why no one has managed to invent a teapot that doesn't leak water. It doesn't dribble. Every time you pour the tea from the teapot, there's always a little bit of tea that dribbles down the front of the teapot and then leaves like a circular stain on the table. 
I don't know why this is. And so that's why I guess some people, they have like a little kind of saucer that they put the teapot uh, on or maybe a doily as well. I remember my grandma used to have like a saucer with a doily on it and the teapot would go back onto the doily and the doily would soak up the the the, the tea that had dribbled down. Um, and then you sit around and go, you know, you sit around, you have your tea and it's all very nice. You might have some biscuits or cake with it as well. But uh, you don't have to. But, oh, a nice biscuit with a cup of tea is lovely, isn't it? You, di- you can take the biscuit. Obviously, you, you know, McVitie's digestive biscuits are the best or McVitie's rich tea biscuits or the, the kind of Tesco or Sainsbury's or Waitrose equivalent of those. The supermarket brand uh, of, of your digestive biscuit will, will work. And you dip the biscuit in the tea if you want. You don't have to, but you can dip it in for a bit. And, you know, make sure that you don't dip it for too long, because if you dip for too long, the biscuit will break off inside the, you know, inside the tea. And then, you know, that's just a total disaster. I mean, that is an absolute nightmare. If the tea, if the, the biscuit breaks off and you lose half your biscuit into the tea, just, you know, you might as well just give up uh, at that point, generally. You know, that is an emergency. Um so don't dip for too long, but also don't, uh, you know, don't dip um, for too short a time either. You've got to make sure that you balance it right. Because if it's if you don't dip for long enough, then you're, you're not going to get absorb enough tea into the biscuit. So, you know, dip several times and then and then eat and then bite. OK, bite, chew, swallow, enjoy and then continue. <laughs> All right. Um Right, so that's the second one. The third way in which I would make tea would be in uh, in a more polite situation when, for example, I've got sort of members of the family around, like when my grandparents were still alive and they would come and visit on a Sunday, for example. Um, if I was to make tea for my grandparents and my mum and my dad... Um, then I would, you know, we'd probably use a slightly nicer tea set. That's when the nice tea set comes out. And the the nice tea set would involve cups with saucers, like smaller cups, not like coffee mugs, but smaller teacups with saucers. The teacups shouldn't be too small and they shouldn't be too shallow. They should be quite deep so, so that, you know, they contain more tea. But anyway, cups and saucers and um, a teapot that matches the cups and saucers and maybe a sugar bowl that also matches the, the pot and the saucers. And um, I would still use tea bags in that situation. But the point is that I'd use that nice tea set and I'd prepare a, a bowl of sugar and I'd put it all on a tray and I'd bring it in you know, after having poured, you know, after having uh, put the water into the teapot, I'd bring the tray into the into the living room, and then you know I could sort of serve everyone tea, and that's the kind of more polite uh, way of having tea if it's like a kind of a special occasion or something. Okay, then. All right. How are you doing out there in podcast land? Are you okay? Um, you I, are you convinced yet? I don't know if you're convinced. I've got no idea what you're thinking about this episode all about tea. Uh, but um, I'm just trying to tell you how it is for me. And I'm obviously quite passionate about this subject. Um, all right. <clears throat> what do people eat with tea? Well, I've talked about all the biscuits and there are many different types of biscuit. Um, but also, you know, cake as well. You might have like a piece of fruit cake. 
uh, or you might have some lemon drizzle cake, which is, you know, made with lemon and you kind of, um, it's got like a sweet uh, uh, icing on the top or some banana bread or ginger cake, things like that. Um, so it's nice to have either biscuits or cake with your tea. Um, uh, different types of tea. Well, I don't need to go into the different types of tea too much, do I? I've mentioned that in the UK, it's English breakfast tea, which is a mix of black teas from India. Uh, um, but in the UK, of course, people like to drink other types of tea as well. Like we have uh, herbal teas, uh, like chamomile tea, for example, which is made from uh, uh, chamomile, which is made from flowers, isn't it? Chamomile tea. What is chamomile tea? It's basically made from flowers, and it doesn't have caffeine in it, um, and um, and therefore it's it's sort of relaxing. It's a nice relaxing herbal tea that you can drink before bed, and it sort of you know it helps you to relax. People drink tea to to help them detox, so it could be tea with things like ginger in it lemon and ginger tea, which helps you to detox because it sort of removes toxins from your body, apparently. Uh, People like to drink green tea, of course, green tea from China or Japan. Um, And I mean, personally, I love Japanese green tea. Um, I like to drink, you know, English breakfast tea, but I love Japanese green tea as well. And, you know, that would be like Sencha or um, Oolong Cha or um, Genmai Cha, as well. Genmai cha is like this mix of sencha, green tea, with roasted rice. And it's got this lovely roasted flavour. And apparently it's very healthy because green tea contains lots of antioxidants. Uh, There's also white tea as well, um, which is basically, all of these things are made from the same plant. It's just that they go through a slightly different process. For example, the the tea is fried or baked or prepared in some way. And, um, And so black tea is like uh, prepared longer and white tea apparently is unprepared tea it's just dried and therefore it contains even more antioxidants than than green tea or, or black tea I'm, I'm sure you know about the different types of tea I, I should just focus on the way it's done uh, in the UK or in my house there, there are health benefits for tea let's see if I can tell you some of those health benefits here we go um Five reasons why drinking breakfast tea is scientifically good for you. And this is from the Evening Standards website. The Evening Standard is a, a newspaper that uh, you f- that you will find in London. It's a free newspaper. And um, they also have a website. So this is uh, standard.co.uk. Five reasons why drinking uh, breakfast tea is scientifically good for you. And the article says this, most of us will agree that there's nothing more refreshing, invigorating or necessary than a hot and comforting cup of tea to drag us out of bed in the morning. So popular is it, in fact, that 165 million cups of tea are consumed across the world every day. And Britain is the number one tea drinking nation behind Ireland. (laughs) So we're not the number one, actually. We're number two. I like the way they put that. Britain is the number one tea drinking nation behind Ireland. So actually, Ireland is number one and we're number two. Um, Oh, yes, they do love a nice cup of tea in Ireland. Uh, And the article continues. But aside from it being a welcome pick-me-up, there are many great hidden benefits to brewing a breakfast cuppa that you may not already know about. It turns out that it can do wonders for your body, improving everything from your mental well-being to your waistline. So if tea is the only thing that will perk you up in the morning, throughout the day and well into the night, worry not. 
because here are five reasons to drink more of it. So apparently it can de-stress you and it keeps you looking young and trim. Um, and I'm not going to go into all the details because it's going to take too long, but you can see this article. It will be linked on the page for this episode. So apparently it's, it's, uh, it helps to reduce stress and can keep you looking young and slim as well. It can reduce the risk of heart attack and stroke. Um, it can prevent cancer, apparently. Uh, it can increase your memory, focus and concentration. And it can lower your cholesterol. Um, so there you go. Just a few health benefits. And uh, you can find that article on the page for this episode. Okay, George Orwell. George Orwell. Do you know about him? George Orwell uh, was an English novelist and journalist and critic. And um, he's famous for writing uh, a number of books, including 1984 and also The Road to Wigan Pier and Down and Out in Paris and London and Animal Farm as well. All famous works. And um, he's he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant writer. And he wrote a famous essay about how to make a nice cup of tea. So this is what George Orwell wrote uh, in 1946. 1946, this is so just immediately post-war Britain. Um, and these are the words of George Orwell. And you'll find this, um, again, linked on the page for this episode. So these are the words of George Orwell. If you look up tea in the first cookery book that comes to hand, you will probably find that it's unmentioned. Or at most, you will find a few lines of sketchy instructions which give no ruling on several of the most important points. This is curious, uh, not only because tea is one of the mainstays of civilization in this country, as well as in Ireland, Australia and New Zealand, but because the best manner of making it is the subject of violent disputes. When I look through my own recipe for the perfect cup of tea, I find no fewer than 11 outstanding points. On perhaps two of them, there would be pretty general agreement, but at least four others are acutely controversial. Here are my own 11 rules, every one of which I regard as golden. First of all, one should use Indian or Ceylonese tea. China tea has virtues which are not to be despised nowadays. It's economical and one can drink it without milk, but there is not much stimulation in it. One does not feel wiser, braver or optimistic after drinking it. Anyone who has used that comforting phrase, a nice cup of tea, invariably means Indian tea. Secondly, tea should be made in small quantities, that is, in a teapot. Tea out of an urn is always tasteless, while army tea made in a cauldron tastes of grease and whitewash. The teapot should be made of china or earthenware. Silver or Britannia-ware teapots produce inferior tea, and enamel pots are worse. Though curiously enough, a pewter teapot, which is a rarity nowadays, is not so bad. So it seems that George Orwell thinks that China teapots are best. So what about my ceramic teapot? Um, he continues, Thirdly, the pot should be warmed beforehand. This is better done by placing it on the hob rather than by the usual method of swilling it out with hot water. Fourthly, the tea should be strong. For a pot holding a quart, if you are going to fill it nearly to the brim, six heaped teaspoons would be about right. 
In a time of rationing, this is not an idea that can be realised on every day of the week, but I maintain that one strong cup of tea is better than 20 weak ones. All true tea lovers not only like their tea strong, but like it a little stronger with each year that passes, a fact which is recognised in the extra ration issued to old age pensioners. Fifthly, the tea should be put straight into the pot. No strainers, muslin bags or other devices to imprison the tea. In some countries, teapots are fitted with little dangling baskets under the spout to catch the stray leaves, which are supposed to be harmful. Actually, one can uh, swallow tea leaves in considerable quantities without ill effect. And if the tea is not loose in the pot, it never infuses properly. Sixthly, uh, by the way, we don't normally say third, thirdly, fourthly, and fifthly. Um, I think that this is sort of George Orwell being a little bit fun uh, in this essay from, from the 40s. Anyway, sixthly, one should take the teapot to the kettle and not the other way round. The water should be actually boiling at the moment of impact, which means that one should keep it on the flame while one pours. Some people add that one should only use water that's been freshly brought to the boil, but I've never noticed that it makes any difference. Seventhly, after making the tea, one should stir it, or better, give the pot a good shake, afterwards allowing the leaves to settle. Eighthly, one should drink out of a good breakfast cup, that is the cylindrical cup, not the flat, shallow type. The breakfast cup holds more, and with the other kind, one's tea is always half cold before one has well started on it. Ninthly, one should pour the cream off the milk before using it for tea. Milk that's too creamy always gives tea a sickly taste. Tenthly, one should pour tea into the cup first. This is one of the most controversial points of all. Indeed, in every family in Britain, there are probably two schools of thought on the subject. The milk first school can bring forward some fairly strong arguments, but I maintain that my own argument is unanswerable. This is that by uh, putting the tea in first and stirring as one pours, one can exactly regulate the amount of milk, whereas one is liable to put in too much milk if one does it the other way around. Lastly, tea, unless one is drinking it in the Russian style, I wonder what the Russian style is. Quickly, I would imagine. Uh, unless one is drinking it in the Russian style, tea should be drunk without sugar. Ah, I know very well that I am in a minority here, but still, how can you call yourself a true tea lover if you destroy the flavour of your tea by putting sugar in it? It would be equally reasonable to put in pepper or salt. Tea is meant to be bitter, just as beer is meant to be bitter. If you sweeten it, you are no longer tasting the tea. You're merely tasting the sugar. You could make a very similar drink by dissolving sugar in plain hot water. Some people would answer that they don't like tea in itself, that they only drink it in order to be warmed and stimulated, and they need sugar to take the taste away. To those misguided people, I would say, try drinking tea without sugar for, say, a fortnight, and it's very unlikely that you will ever want to ruin your tea by sweetening it again. These are not the only controversial points to arise in connection with tea drinking, but they are sufficient to show how subtilised, or how subtle, the whole business has become. There is also the mysterious social etiquette surrounding the teapot. 
Why is it considered vulgar to drink out of your saucer, for instance? And uh, much might be written about the subsidiary uses of tea leaves for um, doing things like telling fortunes, predicting the arrival of visitors, feeding rabbits, healing burns and sweeping the carpet. Um, It's worth paying attention to such details as warming the pot and using water that's really boiling so as to make quite sure of wringing out one's ration the 20 good uh, strong cups that two ounces properly handled ought to represent. The end. All right, so there you go. You've been told. You've been told uh, now how to how to do it. Um, I did mention that I was going to talk about history, didn't I? Um, you know what? There isn't time. Suffice to say that the reason why the UK um, drinks tea like this is because obviously of our colonial past. That back in the you know back in the 18th century and the 17th century and 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 beyond. Um, uh, Britain, you know, went to many parts of the, you know, British explorers went all over the world, um, including India, famously. And um, in India, I, I guess at the time, tea was tea grew uh, wildly, but also it was grown uh, in tea plantations, uh, and people drank tea in India. And so the British explorers who went there discovered it and they brought it back to England and, you know, people started drinking it. There are early, I think, accounts of people drinking tea. Samuel Pepys in his diary, I think, mentions it, which is from the sort of mid to late 17th century. Um, And so um, then, of course, the East India Trading Company was set up and they traded ostensibly in tea and um, they sourced their tea from India and sold it around the world. Um, And obviously a lot of that tea made its way back to the UK. And so because of our uh, colony in India, you know, that's that's how we um, have built up this longstanding tradition of tea drinking in the UK. Tea also was uh, was there um, when America became independent because obviously there was the Boston Tea Party or the Boston Tea Incident, which is when in the in the United States I, I guess it wasn't the United States at that time, but anyway uh, the colony which had been paying tax to uh, Britain or paying tax to England on all of the purchases of its tea. So it's paying all this tax on the tea that it bought from England from the East India Trading Company. Um, and yet um, they didn't receive any representation um, in Parliament in England. So they were they were paying tax without getting representation. And generally, uh, the, the colony was fed up with, with being ruled from England. And there was this incident where a, a shipment of tea came in and protesters um, boarded the, the ship and they threw the tea into this into these into the bay and it was kind of like a flashpoint uh, the starting point of the sort of uh, independence movement which obviously became a war which resulted in uh, the united states um, gaining its independence um, so tea it, it was there too all right fine so that's a bit of history um the beatles i was going to mention the beatles as well because they've they have uh, made reference to uh, tea in a number of their songs Um, In fact, here's a quote from Martin Lewis, who is a Beatles scholar and humorist. And Martin Lewis says, um, without doubt, tea was the Beatles' top tipple of choice. A tipple is a drink. Without doubt, tea was the Beatles' top tipple of choice. In one three-month period in 1967, when they were ostensibly at the height of their drug period, 
they actually recorded no less than five songs referring to this most English of habits. Those songs are Lovely Rita, Good Morning, Good Morning, A Day in the Life, All Together Now, and It's All Too Much. All of them mention tea. Uh, They actually recorded more overt references to tea than to drugs. Uh, So those are the words of Martin Lewis, uh, a Beatles scholar. Um, And you know what? Have you ever heard those references to tea in the Beatles songs? Let's have a listen to some of those briefly. Right, so this is um, the chorus from Lovely Rita, um, I guess written by Paul McCartney. It's Paul McCartney singing on the the record anyway. And uh, here he invites Lovely Rita to uh, take some tea with him. I guess he's talking about tea and not something else, but uh, anyway, here it is. I like the lyric, lovely Rita, meter maid. So it's a, it's a song about uh, a woman, uh, like a traffic warden, a female traffic warden. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, lovely Rita, meter maid, may I inquire discreetly, when are you free to take some tea with me? Uh, all right, there you go. So that was uh, from lovely Rita. What, was the other, what were the other ones? Good morning, good morning. All right, then. Good morning, good morning, which is also on Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Um, and this is John Lennon singing about tea this time. People running round, it's five o'clock. Everyone in town is getting dark. Everyone you see is full of life. It's time for tea and meet the wife. People running around, it's five o'clock. Everywhere in town, it's getting dark. Everyone you see is full of life. It's time for tea and meet the wife. Meet the wife was a um, a, a sitcom that was on television. So it's time for tea and meet the wife. Well, there's a reference to it. Uh, what were the other ones, uh, other Beatles songs that referenced tea? Let's have a little look here. There was uh, A Day in the Life. Ah, yeah, A Day in the Life. This is Paul now again, uh, singing about uh, uh, having some tea. Here we go. Uh, woke up, got out of bed, dragged a comb across my head, meaning that he's combed his hair, um, found my way downstairs and drank a cup. And looking up, I noticed I was late. So there you go. There's the everyday cup of tea for Paul in the morning. And then he, what, he gets on a bus and has a smoke and goes into a dream. <laughs> found my coat and grabbed my hat, made the bus in seconds flat. All right, then, there's Paul going into a dream on a bus. Fair enough. Um, what else was there? There's also um, All Together Now. Let's have a listen to that one. Seven, eight, nine, ten. I love you. Eight, 
there you go. Uh, a, B, C, D, can I bring my friends to tea? Um, in the UK, tea doesn't always mean the drink. Sometimes tea means dinner, right? Um, so some people in the UK talk about tea as in dinner, and it's usually a sort of slightly earlier dinner. Um, so I used to say that to my mum. It's like, mum, what's for tea? Meaning what's for dinner. All right, so sometimes tea can mean dinner uh, as well, as a matter of fact. Um, I think there's one more in the Beatles catalogue with a reference to tea, and that is It's All Too Much. It's All Too Much, which was by George Harrison. And let's hear that little bit. And this one is a a full-on psychedelic track full of feedback and things like that, right at the height of their most psychedelic period, uh, and they were singing about tea. Uh, I sometimes wonder if when they say tea, maybe they, they're talking about something else. Or maybe they just mean tea because, you know, as we've established already um, in this episode, that tea is a really, truly wonderful thing. Anyway, um, I did say before, didn't I, that uh, tea isn't always a spiritual, mystical experience. But maybe sometimes it is. Maybe it was for the Beatles in 1967. Uh, anyway, this is a section from It's All Too Much by George Harrison. <laughs> Try to notice the reference to tea. So there it was, and those lyrics were, Set me on a silver sun, for I know that I'm free. Show me that I'm everywhere, and get me home for tea. George was like really interested in uh, Indian mysticism and transcendental meditation, uh, but also, apparently, just liked coming home for a nice cup of tea as well at the end of it. I just want to play you one more thing on the subject of tea, um, and we've just listened to the Beatles there. They're, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Ruttles. Um, some of you have. Chris Benitez, hello. I know that you know the Ruttles, but um, I wonder if you've heard of the Ruttles. Now, we all know the Beatles, but the Ruttles was a kind of Beatles parody, okay? And it was created by Eric Idle and Neil Innes, who um, were sort of members of the Monty Python team, Um Eric Idle was one of the prime members of Monty Python's Flying Circus. Neil Innes um, collaborated with them sometimes, and he was a, he was a musician. He wrote some of the music for for the Monty Python team, and so they they did this project called the Ruttles, which is a feature film. You can buy it on DVD, and the whole thing is a, a brilliant parody of the Beatles, their careers, and everything. Um, and it tells the the, the film. The Ruttles tells the story of this group of musicians from Liverpool, and it's exactly like the Beatles, but it's a kind of joke parody version. And in the movie, there is a section um, which talks about the Ruttles in their. Um, uh, it talks about the Ruttles in their in their sort of psychedelic period when they were introduced to this um, substance. Uh, by Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan introduced them to this substance that changed their minds forever. And, 
it was tea. Um, so I'm just going to play you a little clip from the Ruttles there about um, the wild tea parties that uh, the Ruttles had after they were introduced to the stuff by Bob Dylan. They met Bob Dylan in the idyllic San Francisco of the mid-60s, and he introduced them to a strange substance that was to have an enormous effect on them. Tea. Despite warnings that it would lead to stronger things, the Ruttles enjoyed the pleasant effects of tea and it influenced enormously their greatest work, Sergeant Rutter. Of course, the main thing that comes to my mind with the Sergeant Rutter album is uh, getting stoned and listening to it with the earphones, you know? Particularly the, you know, the, the chord that lasted forever, you know? The release of this album, a millstone in pop music history, contributed greatly to an idyllic summer of bells, flowers, and tea drinking. Its music led thousands to experiment with tea. Eventually, even the press found out and offered Dirk the chance to deny it. It's it's not up to me. If you come to me and ask me, I'm going to tell you the truth. Because it is the truth. I have had tea. Lots of tea. Indian tea. And biscuits. Dirk's admission created a scandal. The press grabbed hold of the wrong end of the stick and started to beat about the bush with it. Many pop stars were arrested for using and possessing tea. Nasty himself was busted by Detective Inspector Brian Plant, who brought his own to be on the safe side. There was an immediate outcry against this police persecution, and the London Times carried a full-page petition calling for the legalisation of tea. Okay, then. So if you want to see that video, you can see it embedded on the page for this episode. And I encourage you to go out and uh, get a copy of The Ruttles. If you're a fan of The Beatles, then you're bound to enjoy it. It's very funny. And also the songs uh, in The Ruttles are really clever Beatles parodies. Um, And uh, maybe one day I'll talk about The Ruttles again on this podcast because... uh, Oh, there's a lot to say there, especially about uh, about the Beatles and things like that. Okay, so that's it then for this episode. Um, as I usually say, well done for getting to the end. Um, I don't know if that was a challenge for you or not to get to the end of this. Um, I've enjoyed talking about tea on the podcast. Um, I wonder if you've enjoyed listening to it. I certainly hope so. Um, I realise I've just been sort of wittering away about um, a hot drink for the last hour or so. Anyway, let me know. Do you drink tea where you live? Uh, How do you like to make tea? Give us your specific uh, uh, ways of doing it, because I'm sure that there are many different ways of doing it around the world. For example, in China, what's, you know, how do you do, how do you make your tea in China? Obviously, China is the country that produces the most tea in the world. Um, We, I mean, I've, I read a, I read out that statistic from the standard, from the evening standard that said that England or Britain is the second biggest tea drinking nation in the world. I, I, to be honest, I do find that hard to believe because I know for a fact that China, in China and India, people drink a lot of tea and uh, there are many more people in those countries than in Britain. Um, anyway, tell me about tea in your country and tell me about the way in which you as an individual drink tea. Um, and I want to know. I want to know what it's like from your point of view. Okay, then that's it for this episode. Um, 
speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.